Hello, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo on the verge of another Labor Day. Usually, uh, it's funny, Labor Day, as at least in the restaurant business, is a, a busier day. Very laborious. So, we got it down here. We're going to get a lot of locals coming down. The weather's good so far. Cross the fingers. The uh, hurricane season is mild. There's the one that's uh, out front right now. The next one is going <clears throat> to turn up the mid-Atlantic. It looks like there's two tropical waves behind it. Supposedly, the way we look at it here is that the whole month of September is one of those days where you know 80% of the hurricanes dis- uh, develop. I mean, a lot of them. And the water's still warm. I was just looking at the, uh, I mean, I guess when you get older, you do look at the Weather Channel. What kind of people look at the Weather Channel? I'll tell you the kind of people look at the Weather Channel. People live in hurricane areas, uh, you know, oh, subject to hurricanes, which could be almost any place in the United States, uh, along the coast at least, uh, you know, all the way up to uh, the New England and even Canada. Because of the water, it's seventy-seven degrees. For Christ's sake, it says September seventy. The water temperature is seventy-seven degrees in off the uh, on the Atlantic up in South Jersey. Seventy-seven, seventy-eight down here. It's in the. I I, I don't really pay attention. It's probably mid eighties, and that's uh, from what I understand. That's adds fuel to these tropical systems, but also there was a lot of Saharan dust and wind shear plays a factor in it. But I'm not going to go into all that. All is kind of like crossing your fingers. For me, is uh, whenever there's an interruption, there if, we, if it's a depression or let's say right below a one or one, you, you kind of just button up and hunker down. If it's above that or in, in danger of that, then you think about going someplace else. And uh, we could do that too. You know, and that's, but that's a bigger interruption. That's like a weak interruption when you go from work and for people that work that aren't in a salary position, much like myself and my wife and a lot of people down here, it is. Beside being dangerous, it's also a major inconvenience, a financial inconvenience, and things aren't getting any cheaper. But not to be a downer because we haven't had that. And that's a good thing. That's a great thing. <clears throat> so I'm sorry about I'm trying to manage my breathing. Because breathing through the mouth or breathing through the nose, I don't want to make that thing at the end of it when I'm talking. I'm a spin instructor, for Christ's sakes. I should be able to manage my breath better than I I do now. It is minty fresh. It is minty fresh. And I'm thinking about, to give you an idea, I have this other program. I've only done three episodes of it, the Conk Chatter one. Uh, I really haven't found my feet with it because I'm eventually going to do more of that. And I'm thinking about doing a video component with this. And to be totally truthful, even more... I was concerned about the color of my teeth, so I started doing a little teeth whitening using the uh, 
strips, but it makes your teeth sensitive. So I got to be managed. I got to manage it right. And I told you about with everything going on with my other jobs as you know, as a fitness instructor, as a notary, a wedding officiant, besides being a bartender and a husband and a father, uh, I, for someone, I'm able. The last couple of days, I've been able to manage to get some decent sleep. I was trying everything except not reducing my supplements. And that's what I did the last couple of days. I said, you know what? I'll just cut off the supplements. Uh, I'll just use some vitamins. And then if I feel comfortable, I'll go back to using those supplements. And I'll take them more when I have more time to sleep because I can't afford not to sleep. I don't know about you guys, but I know how I operate. The less sleep I get, get more grog, groggy. I don't have the resources to be, I'm short-tempered. My uh, logical part of my brain doesn't operate in its, to its optimum. And I think today I'm feeling really, I'm really feeling fresh. My thoughts are kind of collected. I was kind of worried about having COVID brain there for a while. You know, bringing on with the lack of sleep and things like that. And the, having a, not getting enough sleep, I think it contributes to things like depression, your energy. When your energy level's not high or normal, then you're more susceptible to those things. Bad, you're susceptible to depression. You're susceptible to uh, bad ideas. So I have to, uh, I have to stoke those fires that are positive. And those positive things for me are things like getting sleep, exercising, having a good relationship with my family, and comedy. I like to laugh. I do like that. I enjoy it. I, I think back on funny episodes, and I just, it just, like anybody else, I imagine, but I just reflect on them. And yes, I'll start smiling out of the blue, because that's. That gets me in a positive mood. Just try every so often. If, if, if you're unhappy, try, try to hold a bad thought. Well, don't try to hold a bad thought. If you have a bad thought, concentrate on smiling. When I go over to Europe and uh, I'm talking to family and friends over there, they say Americans smile a lot. It makes you sometimes, and some people have said this, they said it makes you look like you're not that smart. You know, and I go, oh, yeah, I do know. But I know that I feel better when I'm smiling. So I'm going to keep on doing it regardless of what you think. How's that? <laughs> I Yeah, I'm, I want my default thing to be happy. You should. You can't be happy all the time, maybe. There's times when bad things happen, but you can endeavor to be happy. That could be a goal. And if you have unusual, you know, expectations on what's going to make you happy, that may may make it more difficult. Or conversely, it could make you spur you on to greater activity to go and pursue those goals to make you happy and stuff like that. So I don't know how, how you're going to get there, but it's a worthy goal. And one of the things that really make me happy is answering the phone at work sometimes. I get such... Some people are very pleasant. That makes me happy. Some people are just blah. But it, 
every so often I get someone that's nice and they come in and, you know, the people I know, a lot of the people that I know call in and I like talking to them. I say, oh, it's good hearing from you. We'll see you. I don't always recognize the phone number or the voice because it's loud in the, in the restaurant. And then they come in. Oh, and this uh, Nikki's watching. Nikki, I do appreciate you listening to the uh, podcast. And I do apologize. Yesterday when you called in to work, I saw the number. And it was from another state. And I know if you lived down here for a while. And I just assumed it was a vacationer. And I didn't know it was you, Nikki. But it's really good. Your husband, uh, I, I said hello to your husband. And he told me how much you, um, he said you actually enjoyed the podcast, which I was surprised. Because people say, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, waiting for the shoe to drop. You're going to say it's shit. <laughs> No, or, uh, you know, say something nice, you know, sometimes you, you damn it with praise. Say, oh, it's very good. I'm not going to listen to it again. <laughs> so that's funny. So last night, and I'm assuming the person that did call, they didn't recognize me. I didn't recognize them. They had a, uh, a uh, area code from Tampa. And I'll never get the person. The person, first name, I think the it was Ariana was the woman's name, Ariana or Ariel or something like that. And it was 10 minutes after we shut the kitchen about, you know, 20, 30 minutes before we're closed. So I answered the phone. I said, hi, this is Jim uh, at the catch. And the person goes, hi. And it was still loud in the restaurant, even at 10 after nine, because I had about the bar for some reason got busy right at closing time, which is fine. We take care of it. And it's nice when you have people there. If we have people there and they're drinking and stuff like that, it kind of makes it more worthwhile to stay open. But we generally, people just trickle out at that point. So I answer the phone. person says, this is Ariana. Uh, and I hear reservation, five people, seven o'clock. And I apologize. I said, I'm, I, I, I said, could you please... Speak a little louder. I'm, I'm not really getting it. There's a lot of people at the bar. It's kind of loud here. And they explain yourself. We're, we're uh, five people. We have reservations for 7 o'clock. And right away, I'm thinking in my head, okay, so they must have reservation for, I said, is it reservations for uh, tomorrow, Friday, right? You, and And I didn't hear what the person said. And I said, well, you want me to confirm it? No, no, no. I need uh, to move it to 7.30. And I go, oh, okay. And then I said five, 7.30, five people, Ariana, and whatever the last name was. And the uh, I was going to ask them to spell that. And I said, okay. Um, she goes, no, not Friday, today. And, I, and then I went, there was silence right there. And I was dumbfounded. And I said, could you repeat that? And they said, I want to move the reservation from 7 o'clock to 7.30 today. Today being Thursday, I said. And he goes, yes. Well, I said, uh, I'm sorry, but it's, and I apologize when you say, I don't know if I apologize. I said, it's nine, it's 10 after 9. And the person goes, excuse me? what I said before because they were just shut. 
I said, it's 10 after 9. And the person hung up. And it sounded like a really pleasant person. So I was expecting to hear some, oh, wow, um, you know, something explaining the time. Maybe you meant 9 and 9.30. They were looking at it or something like that. And I got off the phone. And people at the bar had heard what I said. And I said, um, I heard you saying 7 and 7.30. And then you said, it's 10 after 9. Was that person, the person at the bar uh, said to me, was that person trying to make a reservation? I said, no, they were confirming a move from a reservation. And they said, well, maybe they're in on the West Coast. And I said, well, why would they be calling the East Coast for reservation? Well, maybe they just Googled it. I said, well, you know, when you Google something, and we all went through all these scenarios, and there is a possibility. There is a possibility. And they're Googling or something like that. But I said, wait a second. They said they had reservations for today. Now, they could have got the days wrong, but they still, I mean, there was no... They had a reservation. And they must have been calling up a place. Okay, well, maybe they were calling a place that they thought was the catch on the someplace on the West Coast. Because that would have been 10 after 6 or 10 after 7 if they were Central Time. You know, if they were in the, um, the, the Rockies. And we thought about all the scenarios and stuff like that. And I said, well, they might, maybe they're, they had saved a number or something like that. And we're going on. But why wouldn't they just apologize for that? And I said, well, there could be a darker, darker one. That, well, five people. I'm thinking five people. If you were trying to corral five people to a reservation, you're going to change it. So I imagine there has to be. Because someone would they couldn't all have done that. And then we saw, there could be, you know, there could be that they were traveling here from the West Coast. And they said, but it's a Tampa phone number. And they didn't change their, um, all of them were going by their watch, not by their phones. Okay, all of them going by their watch. None of them picked it up. Maybe they were all drinking. Maybe, and then we're going through the crazier one. Maybe they had a temporal experience where they're living in, they lost three hours. And it's a, it's a phone call from the past. They could have all gotten on a carnival ride like the Gravitron. You all know the Gravitron. It spins around high speed and you can... You know, the floor drops out sometimes and it kind of keeps you pinned up against the wall. You're in your little cages. And the Gravitron, maybe like an electrical field built around it. While it was spinning, they created some type of time gate. And they're at 10 after 6 or 10 after 7. And they're, you know, trying to set that. Or they had a, a weird experience on the walking one of those walking sidewalks, those moving sidewalks. But she, you know, but 
she hung up. No, no, this, excuse me. Excuse me, but I had the wrong one. But that whole one, we spent like 15 minutes just having a great time. And people say, at that person's expense. And say, wait a second. Once someone hangs up and doesn't apologize, you got a field day. You got a field day. If this person ever calls up, they call up today. That's going to be an interesting phone call. I have their number still. And I can go back. It contains the last 50 phone calls. So if it's not too busy... I'll, I'll still be able to go back and get it and look it up. And people say, you should have called her back. I'm thinking, well, how in the hell would that, how would that work out? If I call them back and say, hey, listen, this is Jim from the catch. I'm just trying to, we were, I'm just curious what happened. What happened uh, with that reservation? Are you, I, I could have said, are you at the catch right now talking to me at 720? And could you tell me something about the future? Or, so, no, I guess I would. I guess I can ask you a question in the future. You should have asked me something about, you know, if you could do that right around the time of the Powerball. And you can call call me. I can be watching the Powerball. It says, besides your reservation, here are the numbers. 17, 4, 3, 1, 0, 8. The Powerball's 12. And then we can all make money. You know, but then we would never meet, really, except on the phone line. So we wouldn't have any. Well, I guess you'd have to. Uh, we, I'd be on an, another timeline. But enough of that. Enough of that. I wanted to talk about ethics. Ethics. We all live with a, uh, a certain code of ethics. Everyone lives with a code of ethics. Even the most horrible people in the world live with a code of ethics. They may not be that stringent. They may be sloppy. They may just have. They may have one or two of them, like the most horrible people in the world. If someone says good day to them, they may say fuck you very much, and I mean that. That's actually a rule. But everyone has a code of ethics. Things they do. If they have a job, you know, even even mass murderers have certain code of ethics. They're not very good. But who has the most stringent? Lawyers, doctors, accountants. Uh, I feel as a bartender, I have one. My I have an ethical code. I don't serve people underage. I try not to serve people that are intoxicated. But sometimes you don't even know what they did before then. If they just went to a place and slammed a bunch of drinks and sometimes they have one beer and then all of a sudden they're, because of the heat, the amount they drank or whatever medicine they're taking or pharmaceutical, I guess it more correct would be pharmaceutical, would be, you know, you'd see it, what happens. You know, they could pass out or something like that. But I was watching this show on Apple TV and it showed how difficult it was to hold the ethics for in certain situations. And it was one show, it was called Five Days in Memorial or at Memorial. And it's Memorial Hospital in New Orleans uh, pre and uh, during uh, Katrina when New Orleans was flooded. And the staff and patients were trapped and not evacuated from a hospital that eventually lost power 
and supplies for five days. And then they were forcibly, forcibly evacuated by authorities. And the hospital staff was, uh, was given a, they had a very, I, I don't want to call it a nap because it's, the show's still going on. Um, and if you didn't, you didn't see it, you know, just shut off this uh, podcast right now because I'm going to do some spoilers. And if you're going to watch it, it's really worth it. And then you can watch it late. Then you can listen to the podcast. So I'm going to give you a moment to think about it. If you want to watch Five Days of a Memorial, you're not going to see it. It's well acted. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of depressing, but it it's presented as, uh, I guess, mostly true. And there was an investigation based on that. So an investigation, I guess, turned up uh, evidence where people back up things. And this is a real life thing. Now, I'm not saying everything happened was 100%. But what happened at Memorial is they evacuated after five days, forcibly evacuated. And 45 patients were dead in their chapel. Now, some of those patients weren't dead they died on the very last day, right before evacuation, the forcible, or right after the forcible evacuation. And there's contention. I don't know how strong the evidence is that there was a, uh, they were euthanized. There were uh, DNR patients, people that have do not resuscitate, and people that were. And they couldn't move. They couldn't move. And and the, the ethics was it is that these doctors and nurses and staff were doing the best they could, but there were no agencies that were really helping them. And toward until the the end, when the helicopter started coming, because the companies that owned the hospital wasn't that big in helping them in the beginning. Uh, government agencies, the municipal and the state and the federal government really weren't in there doing a lot at the time. I don't know what their re- restrictions were at that t- time, but they weren't really helping out the neediest people, you know, evacuating. You know, when they lost power, they should, what they should have done is taken, this is, uh, when when you have a limited, when it's flooding and there's a limited amount of energy you should use the elevators and either if you're going to vacuum them from the roof take them all the way to the top floor or whatever you do or you're going to evacuate them from on boats and think take them down to the ground floor the most uh non-ambulatory patients the ones that are that have to be physically carried you want to have closest to the transportation that's one thing I noticed that they didn't do. They kept them because there was some big, heavy guys, a couple big, heavy guys they should have had on the ground floor. And they got one of them out on a helicopter, which was looked incredible, the effort. And the other one, I think he may have been euthanized. The contention was that one of the, uh, several of the doctors got together and they put together a, um, an opiate concoction or used um, opium or whatever, morphine, morphine. I keep on calling it opium. What is this, the 1900s? And they euthanized uh, 
people. Now, that's directly against the Hippocratic Oath. It's first do no harm. But it flies in contention with the ethics that these people were suffering and they were going to be abandoned there. Because the police were in the um, hospital, at least that's what they're showing, and they were telling people that worked there and people that were staying with people, said, listen, if you do not vacate the property, you will be arrested and we'll seize you. And you figure, why you just saying, well, they're not leaving and talk, looking at the patient. Why don't you arrest them? And this way they'd have to take them into custody and then figure out a way to get them out. You know, carrying them down the steps, say, listen, that person who's laying in bed that can't walk is trespassing. So you're going to have to arrest them. And here, here's a, a stretcher or something, a plank. You're going to have to move them out to arrest them, which would have been a, a good thing for them to get them out of the hospital. So the, the ethics of euthanizing people or leaving them behind, abandoned, to die. And I guess the people weren't sleeping that well, the, the doctors and the healthcare workers, there's some healthcare workers that were willing to stay. Others were forced to leave. Uh, but it looked like some people stayed after the forced evacuation, so that doesn't mean... I, th I think the contention is that you know, we're forcing them. We're, um, they don't really, they didn't really arrest anybody, and the people stayed behind. And euthanized people could have just as well stayed behind at great risk to themselves, yes, and cared for these patients and just stayed there and watched them die a horrible death or managed through where they live, you know, to continue to live. And eventually help would come to them. So that's the next thing. But that that fine line in ethics for the you know the Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, alleviate suffering. I don't know if, I, I'm not certain where the alleviate suffering would be in the Hippocratic Oath. But that's got to be wrapped up in that first do no harm. And the way they tell the story it could appear under stress, like these medical professionals, some of them said, well, we're going to be forced to evacuate and leave these people. What's the ethical thing to do? What's the ethical to let them suffer and die or aid them in the eventuality of their death? And one telling story was some of the people, some of the medical staff had brought their pets with them to the hospital when Katrina was going on and were calling for all the help to come in so to help with influx of patients that they started before they started euthanizing patients they were euthanizing the pets when they knew they weren't going to be allowed them to evacuate with the people and one person came down where her husband who was a doctor had euthanized their dog a euthanized this woman's dog I don't know if it was his wife's dog or anything. and one of the people from the Coast Guard on a boat lets a woman on with her dog. And this woman who euthanized her dog is just looking at the person that euthanized her dog saying, well, they took their dog. Why? I mean, I killed my dog with the understanding. So it's from what we understand. If we understand 
something horrible, the worst thing would happen. And then we got to make a decision based on that. A Sophie's choice, if you will. Does that fly in the face of that? That's going to be very interesting. I, I think there's one or two episodes left. It's going to be very interesting when they discuss to say, well, listen, from my understanding that we were going to leave people and all those things they said, we're going to leave them to die or we can aid them and, and ease them out of their suffering. That is a tough thing. Um, pet owners have been doing that for a long time. I had to do that with my dog last uh, November when it was going through seizures. It was the saddest thing I ever had to do in my life. It was the saddest thing. We do it with pets that we love very much and we cry over and stuff like that. We cry over them more than we would over people. Some people. So, we, we do that all the time with money. And you find money on the street. Years ago, I'm in Philadelphia. I found, a, like, I'm going to just put a label on about $400 in kind of like a fold of money that wasn't really wrapped up next to a gas pump. And I pick it up. And I walk over to um, the kiosk. It was one of those, um, in, in Philadelphia, you didn't have to have, they didn't have to have a person uh, free. They were just in the kiosk. They sold, um, you know, they sold the gas and before, you know, the credit pump things were out and stuff like that. And they sold lottery tickets and stuff like that. And I said, listen, did anybody lose any money here? And they were looking at me. And it was a young person behind the counter, a young woman. And I said, I found some money next to a pump. Uh, and they go, well, you can just leave it with me. And I, <laughs> I'm looking at them. I go, or I can just keep it myself. And he said, well, how do you know you're going to turn? Well, I came up and told you that. If I, if I wasn't going to say anything, I would just take it and leave. Obviously. Okay, they didn't get my the reasoning. I said, can I leave my phone number? And if someone calls up about money and tell me how much money that there was and what pump they left it at. And I thought, wow, that was stupid. You're going to get a lot of phone calls from people like that just saying, hey, I left $300, $310, $320. You know, keep on calling after that. And um, I left my number. I think the person probably just threw it out because I never got a call. I never got a call. And I kept the money. I kept the money. It was loose. It wasn't in a wallet. It wasn't that. Whenever I find a wallet and stuff like that, that's an easy thing. That is an easy thing. And at the time, I, you know, it, actually I used it. I think I used it to go out. But I mean, it's a shame. But I, it didn't mess up. It didn't mess with my ethic. Nowadays, I might uh, feel tinged that if I found one like that, I should probably donate it. You know, after a week or two. You know, I should think in my head, I should donate. Once I, you get an idea in your head, and this is the way it is now. I, I think I told you listeners before, if I get an idea I should do something, I should go ahead and do it. If it's the right thing to do, not wait to do it. Not have that thoughts afterwards, the regret and saying, oh man, why did they do it? And now I feel guilty. So ethics are funny that way. They are. 
they kind of mess with your head once you start trying to live a more ethical life. I hesitate to say ethical life because God knows there's a lot of things I could do better. But I... I I, th- I try to I try to do the right thing with that, and I know the things I do. I'm not going to recount them because that counters that goes against my ethics too. If you do something for someone, I used to I used to when I did something that you should do if you're a good person, I would tell somebody because I wanted the notoriety that I did something right. Now I realize. That if I do something right, I should just keep my mouth shut. I just, and sometimes I tell people that say, you're stupid. You shouldn't do that. You know, you don't have to do that. So you got two, and the, the good people may say, well, you don't need credit for that because that's the thing you're supposed to do. You know, but that's pretty much what I have for today. It was just a... I have these ruminations. Ruminations are thoughts. And I get them in the morning when I, after I wake up, have my coffee, and I'm ready to go out the door. And I think of these things. And I just recently read before I sign off too that a narcissist does that. They look for, they think, well, you know what? The world really needs my insight. I'm that important. And I think what I re- all I am is I'm just confirming the stuff that you think already and telling you the things that work for me. Not that I'm better or smarter or ethical or healthier or any of these things. There's one thing I did regret today. I had a, u- a young gentleman attend my spin class today and we don't get too many guys that come to class. And I, he came in five minutes after class started. So I wasn't able to stop and go and give him some hints on how to set up the bike. And I think I might have not instructed the right way. I may have done something to say, hey, listen, you know, you can raise your seat. The only instruction I gave to was that guy. Because he was the only new person in the class. They obviously hasn't spun before. But I realize he's a young guy and he doesn't want to hear that stuff. So now I got to think about the next time I see that guy, I got to go and apologize and say, I, I, I regret, I think the best way to do it is to regret that I wasn't able to present the value I wanted as an instructor to you at the time that you were here. And I didn't do it in the best way. And I may have brought, um, you know, embarrassed you a little. So I try, I try, and I, the only way I can come clean is talking on this show because there's sometimes when people see me outside and they say, hey, Jim, you're not always living the thing that you're doing or you're saying. You're not always doing the thing that you say or you believe in. And uh, I guess that's something I have to work on. Well, I still feel good about myself, and you should feel good about yourself too, really. Um, thank you very much. Have a great day. I'm hoping that uh, the weekend won't be too hectic for you, but have a great time. Bye.